It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. With everything that you're doing, you're doing with your cars. You will have no privacy whatsoever with your own cash. You can open the zip and exit the sandwich. Crow. It's just incredible. Like. People drink responsibly and people drink irresponsibly. And then we have trouble outside. Join the conversation. Call 0818 969696. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 Let me ask you on this gorgeous October morning, beautiful autumnal morning, let me ask you this. Has anybody said to you, I appreciate you for that? Has anybody told you when you've done something or said something or given them something or, you know, given them a a heads up on something, whatever, have they ever said to you, I appreciate you for that? Apparently, it is the new thing. And by sometime early 2024, we will be telling each other, I appreciate you for that. Over a month. And no, 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 no. It is the new thing. There's a load of new words. I'll get to them during the morning. There's a whole bunch of new words have gone into a thing called the Merriam-Webster Dictionary. Like, do you have a grammable doggo? The what, Peach? I'll give you more during the morning. Has anyone said to you at all, do you know, you do something that I appreciate you for that. It, it is the new thank you, or so I am told. And there's a thing now on a beautiful... Oh, look out at that. Isn't that... The sick, the third... Isn't that just beautiful? Not a cloud in the sky. It's gorgeous. Good morning, 0818 96 96 96. The number, the text or WhatsApp is 083 396 96 And the email is opinion at 96fm.ie. Now, from talking about silly things like I appreciate you for that to very serious things that would worry and concern a family. If you had somebody missing for six weeks, you would be at your wit's end, particularly if you had absolutely no idea where he'd gone or what had happened to him. And even more so, if he'd left hospital, didn't have his medication on him, and you've absolutely no idea what might have happened to him. I speak of John Keaveney, who's been missing now since the 21st of August. It was a Monday morning. Cahill is uh, his his uncle and joins me. You must be frantic, Cahill. Good morning. Yeah, good, good morning, BJ. Uh, thank you very much for the opportunity to talk to you and to your listeners this morning. 
Yeah, as you said, it, it's it's sort of um, been a bit of a nightmare for us all in that John was down on holidays having a wonderful time with his beautiful wife, Adrian, and his three kids, Amy, who's 12, Isabel, who's nine, and Alwyn, who's six. And they really were enjoying Cork, having a great time. And then John suffered from epilepsy for about the last 10 years. Um, he had a, an epileptic uh, episode. Um, now, he has had them before. Mm-hmm. And um, he was brought to hospital, uh, to Cork University Hospital, uh, where they were taking care of him. And uh, they kept him in, and they wanted to do some tests on him. And we think whilst he was in the hospital, he actually had a second epileptic episode. And as can happen uh, in these cases, he seems to have got very disorientated and managed to discharge himself from the hospital. And after that, um, we've been trying to chase him and follow up where he went. And yeah, go ahead, PJ. This is early in the morning now of Monday... August 21st. Well, this is actually on the previous day, on the Sunday. Okay. And uh, he discharged himself in the hospital on the Sunday, um, went into Cork City Centre, <clears throat> and we think he went around to a number of shops and premises trying to charge his phone. And due to his disorientation, somehow um, ended up um, near the Centre Park Road, near the Circle K station, near the Albert Road in the Centre Park Road at around about 20 past one on the morning of Monday, the 21st of August. Okay. Um, I know he that was part a, of town very well, yeah. Yeah, he was a major music fan. And um, one of the things we think he may have been doing is, again, with the disorientation and, and not really knowing where he was or who he was even, um, he obviously somehow um, had a, a recollection about being in Cork and maybe being at the Marquee in Cork because he used to go to a huge number of concerts there. And we think uh, he was thinking that maybe there was a concert on and if I go down there, I'd either catch the concert or I'll meet people at the concert and uh, I'll be with, you know, the type of people I, I know and love, uh, fellow music fans. And he walked down the Centre Park Road. Uh, obviously, there was nothing on in the Marquee and the next possible sighting we have of him is walking past Parky Keeve on the Marina Walkway there mm-hmm. at around about one thirty, one forty, again on the early hours of the Monday morning. And was that picked up on somebody's CCTV call? It was. This is the key to everything, PJ. Um, only for CCTV, we'd have no idea of his whereabouts whatsoever that evening. So CTV, CCTV is actually crucial to helping us find John and, and to know where he is. So where's the last CCTV sighting of him then? Unfortunately, it's at Parky Keeve at around about one forty, again on the morning of Monday the 21st of August, which is really strange, which is really baffling. You know, where did he go after that? Um, what we've done is, and, and, and the local people have been terrific, um, we've had family and friends down from Cork, and we even went round to all the exit points from that beautiful marina uh, uh, greenway walk and we knocked on doors and we asked people to check their CCTVs um, after 1.40am till um, 6pm the following evening uh, to see does he show up anywhere, right? Because, you know, uh, what could have happened to John is he could have kept walking or he could have stopped if he was tired 
to take a break or, you know, have a sleep. And then got up in daylight and continued on his journey. And we just don't know. And if people who live around the Greenway or any of the exit points, the Black Rock Road or anywhere around there, you know, we'd ask them to check the CCTV to still have it for Monday the 21st of August mm-hmm. and see that they see a man, he's around about 43 years of age, wearing um, a light grey FEI hoodie top because he was a big sports fan, navy trousers and white trainers. Um, very distinctive scotch and soda white trainers. Mm-hmm. And, and I take it that you've us. gone up into Ballon Temple there and checked with the businesses or gone across into Black Rock Village and thinking of places where there'd be a lot of CCTV and there would be some along the Greenway. The park itself, Park Equive itself, would have loads of CCTV, one would assume. Yeah, it would, PJ, but the only one they seem to have picked them up on is the one that was facing the, the river if that makes sense. Down by one of the businesses like CAB yeah, or something. But, yeah, well, basically, he was parking park, passing Parky Keeve as if he was ha- heading to Black Rock Pier, uh, straight along the waterway there. Okay. Um, after he gets the, out of Sorry, side, sorry, Carl. Uh, yeah. On the river side or on the village side? On the, on the river side. On the river side. So, on the side, that's it. Uh, yes, yes, on that's on the side of the Greenway. On the side of the Greenway. So yeah. I n- now I have you, now I have him pinpointed. So the last known location that picked up on CCTV was somewhere between the Park Equive and the actual River Lee along that walkway there. Absolutely. And about That's half past one in the morning. Meeting. Now I, I was just trying to pinpoint because, as you know yourself, there's a lot of water down there. There's a new park. It's very popular for walking and everything like that. So just so he was on the river side of Parky Cueve in the early hours of that morning and he seemed to be headed he was walking I take it in the CCTV that you have walking towards Black Rock Village walking towards Black Rock Village yeah okay. where there I would mean, have yeah. been a ton of CCTV at that stage of the night oh, yeah and I have to say the people on the Black Rock Road and some of the businesses on the Black Rock Road have been really kind and uh They've looked at their CCTV and it's actually, um, we're still looking for that breakthrough where we just happened, someone just happens to spot him. And as you know yourself with these investigations, PJ, that, you know, you can look at things once, you can look at things twice, but sometimes it's only on the third time you pick up maybe that very small detail, right, that makes all the difference. Mm-hmm. And that's really after six weeks what we're looking for now is really just to. Um, how will I put it, um, make sure that uh, there's nothing we're missing absolutely anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, even in terms of him walking by the water, some of your listeners might be thinking, sure, he could have fallen into the water. Yeah. And um, I have to give a big shout out there to John and the crew from Mallow Search and Rescue and from Christy and Missing People in Cork, mm-hmm. who have been on the water nearly every day since searching for John. And not just searching with eyes and binoculars, but using sophisticated equipment such as mm-hmm. sonar and remote TV drone cameras. And um, from the feedback that they're giving to us after such a long time, the probability now really is that um, he actually hasn't entered the water. In fact, yeah. John hated water and, and would avoid it, you know. I have another question for you based on where he was last seen. And, and again, like you said, it's the tiniest yeah. of details. So he was walking between Parque Cueve and the water on the riverside. Now, this is yeah. a, going to sound like a silly question. Yeah. Was he closer to the water than he was to the park? 
which side of the road would he have been as he was walking towards Black Rock? Would he have been on the left hand or the right hand side of the road? Well, I think if you look after right opposite Parky Key, you have that dust track there. Yeah. And then and then you have the walkway itself. He was on the walkway himself. Okay. But he but it didn't look like and it's very hard to tell on CCTV as if he was walking close to the water. Okay. If that makes That's sense. It does, it does. And and his his gait, his demeanour on the on the footage, did he seem to be making his way confidently or was he unsure of himself? Like you say he might have been disorientated, you know, a person after an epileptic event, they could they, they might be a bit wobbly on their feet. How did Absolutely. he seem? Yeah, you know, that's, that's a very good question. He seemed to be walking very purposely. Okay. Um, as if um, he was definitely going somewhere. Okay. Um, and this is the baffling thing about it. I mean, if we thought that um, he was so disorientated <clears throat> that he was not in control of himself, then obviously, you know, um, we'd all be thinking that something terrible would have befallen him, Jeez. right? Jeez. But... Um, looking at the CCTV coverage, looking at this purposeful walk, <clears throat> having checked not only the, the river, but actually having done a number of land searches as well, yes. um, all around the Atlantic Pond area. You know, the thinking is that that hasn't happened, that he seemed to be trying to make his way to somewhere. And the thing about um, the epileptic episode is you can be disorientated, you can have a sense of amnesia, right? and um, lose sense of uh, the actual reality you're in, right? But you can still think uh, and be purposeful about where you think you want to go or what you want to do, That's right. if that makes sense. Yes, it does. You'll have absolutely no idea of the circumstances before the moment of the episode, but once you come out of it, you you have a notion in your head of where you want to go. Was he carrying a mobile phone, Carl? He had a mobile phone, and we think the mobile phone was out of power because we know earlier on he was trying to charge it, and we were desperately trying to reach him, and the phone, mm-hmm. the sound from the phone, was that it actually had, either was turned off or had no power. Right, and knowing no way John, to ping it. No, knowing no... John, he lived by his phone, yeah. uh, and there's no way he'd turn it off if that makes sense to you. It does? Uh, oh, yeah, it does. There, there is no way. And the fact that he was trying to charge it meant he, he, he was trying to get back into communication. Um, which, which would which, point a little to his, to his um, state of mind in that he might have been a bit more clear-headed than we think. Well, funny enough, with this, what they say, PJ, is you can have moments of lucidity yeah, and then suddenly you can slip back into disorientation again. I know. I know. And, and this, is, this is actually the worrying thing. Um, I mean... This is so out of character for John, because actually, um, just a week before um, the episode, he was at the All-Ireland Ladies Football Final in Crow Park, and he had a fantastic time there. Then he was having a fabulous holiday in Cork when he had the episode. But actually, the week after the episode, um, he was due to go to Kilmainham to see Noel Gallagher play. Mm -hmm. And John was probably the greatest Gallagher fan uh, on the planet. I'd say between the Gallagher Brothers and Oasis, he was at over 70 concerts um, all over the world. And um, he collected concerts and archived concerts um, like somebody would collect stamps. Um, He was very proud, and I think he was very proud of his record. And I think he was probably trying to achieve the most number of attendances by anybody, anywhere, Had ever. he been there when they played in the park in the 90s? Or would he been, oh, he was, yeah, yeah. In He'd fact, been young now, but he would have been very young then. Oh, he, he, look, he loved the Oasis from the beginning. He yeah. had actually met the boys in person. He was actually at their Paris concert when they actually broke up. 
and actually he actually managed to um, uh, get uh, the playlist uh, mm-hmm. from the final concert. That's that's the biggest trophy he has at home, wow. right? And he has contacts all over the world through social media, fans of Oasis, fans of music. So actually, you know, with this gig coming up, there's no way mm-hmm. if John was, was, was his normal self, he'd miss that concert. Gotcha. Absolutely no way. Gotcha. It was actually going to be one of the highlights of his year. Gotcha. So this is really, you know, the worrying thing for us is mm-hmm. that it's so out of character, as we said, for John, that um, we think that due to the disorientation and the amnesia, we do believe he's out there somewhere, possibly with somebody, but he doesn't realise we're all looking for him. Okay. And um, this, this is what our appeal, you know, what we're appealing very the, strongly for. The two for. lads, sorry to cut across you, Cahill, sure. and I know their work, that Mallow Search and Rescue and Cork City Rescue and Recovery, they are brilliant at what they do. If they say they don't believe he entered the water, the chances are he didn't enter the water. Well, I think they, they, they can't say for sure. Nobody can say for sure and can't call it. But what they're saying is after all the searching and everything that they've done, Right, you know they're beginning to think. You know, you need to look elsewhere as well. If yeah. that makes sense to you, it does, it does, that there is a strong probability that he's not in the water. Right, so um, that's why we're appealing to all your listeners and anybody who lives close to that area. That you know, if they do have a camera that faces out to any. Um, walkway or any footpath or any road mm-hmm. that is along uh, any of the exits to the, the Greenway or, or the marina. Maybe even if something it, like a ring a doorbell, just, you know, these new... Just on the Monday yeah, morning, even, these, the, yeah. even the doorbells, even the doorbells. So, um, and it's amazing, we know from talking to people um, historically that, um, you know, even after six weeks, eight weeks, even longer, you know, if everybody just shows that awareness and actually does that little bit of investigation, that breakthroughs can happen. Indeed, they can. Again, it's when you think it's not going to happen that it does. And as I said, it's the smallest details that sometimes can make make the big difference and give you the big breakthrough that you're sort of looking for. Carl, how are his family doing? I know his wife, Adrienne, he's got three little girls, 12, 9 and 6. How are they doing? It's, it's, it's very tough for them because, um, you know, obviously... They all desperately, I mean, Adrian, the kid, his mum and dad, his sister, his family and friends, everybody desperately just wants to see John home. And um, not knowing where he is, you're wondering, where is he? Is he all right? And the fact that we said he hasn't got his medication um, really does cause great concern and worry. Now, is it the kind of... I know a little bit about epilepsy medication because my boy takes some himself Ah, and some of it is very readily available and he would probably be on LTI for it. So if he was compass at all, it wouldn't be hard for him to get some. Well, this is it. He could walk in somewhere managed to procure some or, or somehow yeah. um, because he was a very resourceful guy. He was a, an IT specialist. And if there was ever a problem or something that was um, defeating him, put it that way, he'd always find a way around it. Yeah. You know, he yeah. was a very resourceful person. Yeah, and he'd, he'd have a long-term illness arrangement and he'd be able, I mean, if he was compass meant as a talk, because I remember going away one time for a weekend away and we'd forgot my umphala's medicine. This is why I know this. And a couple of phone calls we were able to get some. So it isn't all that difficult when you have a, a long-term illness card, which he would have with the, with the epilepsy. No, you're, you're, you're right, PJ. And one of the great things about John is, 
<clears throat> he was one of the most engaging, friendliest people you could ever meet. He talked to anybody. Okay. And um, uh, if somebody met him, he, ha- he had this smile uh, that, that really, um, how would I put it this way, uh, you couldn't help we, but got a picture sort of fall in love with. So um, I, I could imagine him, you know, um, making a friendship out there with somebody or organizing somebody to... Um, procure, you know, medication or other things that he needed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, him, obviously, not knowing who he really is, but managing to um, get those things done for himself. Mm-hmm. I, I, I can see that happening. Okay. okay, so I'm going to try something now with you, Cahill, okay? Sure. And, you know, even if a person has amnesia and, and might not be too sure where they are or who they are or whatever, one thing they might recognize is voices. Let us just imagine that John is somewhere and he can hear you now. I'm going, to, I'm going to stop talking for about a minute. You want to talk to him directly, if he can hear your voice? Please, PJ, that'll be... Go ahead. That'll be great. Yeah, um, hi, John, uh, this is Carl here. Um, first of all, we're hoping you're okay. And um, all is well, your end. Um, just to let you know that we're all thinking of you. Um, we're all missing you and we're all out um, looking for you uh, because we love you and because we want to see you home and um, Adrian and the kids um, are are waiting um, they're praying and um, we believe that you know um, with their love and with your love that and the help of everybody that we will get you home. And uh, when you do get home, we will celebrate together, we'll listen to Oasis music, we'll watch some great sport, and we'll share the love and the great times we we always have. So um, if you're listening, um, we're here, we're waiting, and we desperately want to see you home. All right. Carl, that's the most we can do for you. You keep you keep in touch with me. If there's anything we can do at any time, you 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 know where we are. We have a picture of John now up on on our Twitter at OpinionLine96, and we'll, we'll we'll probably share that as on our personal accounts as well during the day and over on the Instagram. PJ, look, um, a massive sincere thanks to you and your team, <clears throat> to John and Serge and Mallow, Christy and. Missing people in Cork. Katrina Toomey and Penny Dinners have been helping us as well uh, because they know the streets of Cork really, really well. They've been so helpful. And all the wonderful, wonderful people we've met in Cork because I've actually nearly been living in Cork for the last six weeks. And I have to say, and I've said it before, it's a wonderful place because it's just full of wonderful people. And I can't thank everybody there enough for their support and their help and and their empathy. Uh, It means so much. So, thank you, PJ, to you, all of Cork, to Ashling and the Guards and Anglesey, to the Clayton Imperial Hotels, and everybody who's helped us. But um, to everybody there and everybody listening, um, a sincere, heartfelt thanks from okay. me, Adrian, the kids, and, and, and all of us. All right, all thank right. Thank you so much. Carl, you take care of yourself as best you can, and hopefully, 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 something will trigger with somebody. John Keaveney. Thank you, Carl. Uh, some sometime the early morning of Monday, twenty first of August, he was seen around one thirty a.m. walking down towards Blackrock Village 
on the walkway there by the marina, spotted on CCTV, and he's no sign of him since. No sign of him since. If you have a camera, if you have footage, if you even have one of those ring doorbells, if you were driving in Black Rock and had dash cam at that hour, if you got to Black Rock Village, you see, we don't know if he did, because there's not there's nothing. If you're in Black Rock Village and you haven't looked at your CCTV in a while, would you ever have a look and see, do you have CCTV for the 21st of August, early hours of the morning? I'm thinking about pubs down there. I'm thinking about the coffee shop down there. I'm thinking about places even beyond that, heading up towards Black Rock Castle. Maybe he got down there and maybe he walked up around to Black Rock Castle and there would be lots of houses up there with maybe CCTV on the gates or something like that. So early morning, Monday 21st of August, if you can have any sign of John Keaveney at all, his family are desperate, desperate to find him. 0818... 96, 96, 96. You just can't imagine what people are going through at a time like that, can you? We have a picture of John on our Twitter and we'll we'll share it as well with all our other platforms and on all our other platforms. Thanks, Carl. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 on the Opinion Line, proud to be partnering this week with the National Menopause Summit. It happens October 20th, which is Friday, two weeks, at the City Hall. Uh, this is World Menopause Awareness Month. And tickets and details, nationalmenopausesummit.com. But to mark our association with them, we're just, we're celebrating fabulous women, women all this week. Um, and we just want you to identify one of them for us. All right, can you do that for me? Very good. I think an artist's job is to be, to be themselves at any cost, and you don't even then have to think about how that affects people. It, it just does affect people like you or I. You tell me who that is and tell me your name. A little prize for you. We'll go again. I think an artist's job is to be, to be themselves at any cost, and you don't even then have to think about how that affects people. It, it just does affect people like you or I. Her name and yours, 0833969696. Now, the Green Party in Cork has confirmed that there were difficulties in the recruitment of bus drivers. Um, and that is part of the problem with delayed buses, missing buses, ghost buses, and part of the overall issue with the rollout of new and better services. There's a huge problem in recruiting bus drivers. And you kind of wouldn't be surprised when you hear about an incident that took place in McCurtain Street in the last few days. Michael, were you, were you a direct witness to this? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Um, I Sad to say, I was, um, and it, it shook me because nobody in the course of their, of their everyday job should have to put up with the abuse Oh God! This driver. Hang on, try it again. Um, you, 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 you it, dropped it just, out for a second. You dropped out for a second. You say nobody should have to put put up with the nobody abuse. Nobody should have to. Nobody should put up have to put up with that abuse. That was that was a uh, 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 target, or that that bus driver had to had to endure on on the thirtieth here uh, on McCartan Street. So what happened? Um, well, essentially, the 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 bus stop here, which which serves. Uh, which serves uh, plenty of of, uh, of bus services, 
Um, a private minibus uh, was neither parked in or out of the bus stop, which of course is a is a regular occurrence here in the street with with uh, private cars and vehicles just park willy nilly. Um, the bus approached, alerted the minibus that it was there by beeping its horn, and the group of gentlemen. Uh, that got out of same said minibus, private minibus, effed and blind, uh, swore, uh, had plenty to say to this lone bus driver, uh, swore at her, uh, drew reference to her nationality, her sex. Um, it, these were these were grown men. Just because these she were asked bodies. them to move their car. They, they were they were illegally occupying a, a bus stop, uh, not a bus parking uh, a parking bay. It's a bus stop. Uh, the lady the lady in question was driving a large bus with passengers disembarking, um, has having to, to to mind them, having to mind her passengers, having to mind pedestrians and 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 people in and around the area, and having having her job made more difficult for her by by some somebody or bodies that shouldn't have been there. Um, they they turned on her, and they they essentially look. They held her captive because she's in her bus. She has nowhere to go. Um, she can close the door, yeah. But a a, a, a crowd of hollering um, belligerents outside that door, uh, swearing at her, um, and not in. We're, we're we're talking stuff that you wouldn't hear out of dockers on 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 uh, in in their most ribald moments. Um, these were fully grown gentlemen with an awful lot to say, very angry individuals um, that really put that lady a, in a desperate, desperate state after after the event. Wow. Wow. Um, I, I was trying, of course, to get across. Um, as you know, the, the roadworks here in McCartan Street are a little bit up in the air, to say the least. Um, with the barriers, it took a while to get over to her. When I did eventually get over to her, she was distraught. She was uh, in floods of tears. Um, I learned from her that this is not a once-off occurrence. This is a daily occurrence. She gets abused in her job providing a service. She gets abused in her job on a daily basis. And she she is at that stage where she wants to quit. Goodness me! Did they move the car? After the driver put its hand or his hands up from the the little minibus and shirked it off and eventually pulled out. And the lads continued off up the road. They they walked up, continued off McCartan Street, walked up York Hill or York Street, should I say? And the, 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 the most angry of them, again, uh, a man our age, well, I'm saying a man my age, Fiji. <laughs> um, he, he, he had a lot to say. I mean, he was a terribly, terribly angry individual and just, just totally inappropriate. Um, it, it, it doesn't do anyone, like it doesn't do anyone good to have that level of venom. And this or, was misogynistic, it was referring to her nationality, was she a woman of colour? She was, Michael? yeah, absolutely, no, she, I, I believe she was Spanish, 
um, I I would know the lady. Uh, I'd actually have seen her on the on the on the routes, mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, on on the former bus stops, which were down there on Patrick's. Michael, uh, Patrick's this, key. was this by any chance a City Link bus? Possibly, yeah, because we have a statement um, from them, and we're hoping <laughs> to talk to the gaffer there. Yeah, uh, soon enough. It, but yeah, it's cert- it's cert- it, it was it yeah. was it was a CityLink bus. Yeah, well, they've issued, um, they've issued uh, a statement to us, and we're hoping to talk to them at some point yeah. today or tomorrow. Um, and they are very angry about this, and and they say that they it are. is a regular regular occurrence. It, it is, and I mean, PJ, look, I I don't want to be rattling on about the the, the debacle that is. The, the, the street parking or on street parking. Go on, on because I see an awful lot of pictures going around, Michael, that regardless <laughs> of what the city council, and to be fair, I would have been one of the first people who said back in the day, Christ, that doesn't look like it's going to be great for traffic. It would be great for traffic if gobshites just stopped lobbing their cars anywhere. Look, let's be honest about it. Look, there was a point, an individual on the street a few few Saturdays ago parked their 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 private vehicle, uh, not a commercial vehicle, their own private car, Jeep slash whatever you want to call it. Um, it was pointed to them that they were parked in the bus stop. The, the, the answer to them was, I don't give an if, I'm unloading to my bar slash restaurant slash whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And are there loading bay? Are there loading bay facilities? There are loading bay facilities. Um, now, when when City Council asked us, well, certainly asked asked for the businesses on McCurtain Street, um, the re- small independent retailers like myself were invited to make public public consultation. We did. I certainly did. I made a list of the issues that I thought I might be facing. Mm-hmm. And given given the fact that I've been here since 2019, having had a loading bay outside my own door, not my loading bay now, the loading bay for the street, which was abused left, right and centre by overnight parking, hire cars parked in there, um, vans parked in there overnight. A loading bay is a loading bay. It's 30 minutes if you're for a commercial vehicle, if you're lone, if when you're if, sorry, it's a 30 minute stop for a commercial vehicle to be actively loading or unloading. I know that my couriers know that my drivers know that, and we try to keep to that to make it accessible and easy for everybody else that's in that same position. Mm-hmm. Now, you get a, a van the size of let's say a large Ford Transit or something kind of equally bigger. One with a tail lift, something that needs space, needs loading bay of a certain size. Fantastic. If it has its loading bay, it can pull in. But when there's a loading bay almost incorporated into a street that's included in an area where there's um, dining tables and chairs out there, particularly when the tables and chairs are, are put at 90 degree or almost on the, on the exact 90 degree angle of the loading bay, that makes it very, very difficult for vehicles of a large size to pull in. Now, these are little things that we all have to get around. We mm. all have to manage. Teething if it means problem. taking a hand truck, teething problems. If it means taking a hand truck to lift, say, a, a, a nine-foot cabinet, a bookcase here, which happened the other day, I have to manage to dismantle that, get it up here, around from Patrick's Key, which is the closest and most accessible one to me, get it up around to my shop and load it in the door. Fine. It's a bit of a, 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 a challenge, but we can do it. Yeah. We'll yeah, do it. We'll get over it. Yeah. Right. Because that's the cooperation of the people in the street. And I've been talking to some of them. I was down with, with Tom in Cafe Espresso a few weeks ago. Uh, he talked about his own particular problems to do with it. Of course, I, yeah. I don't know whether whether he's been sorted or, or not. But I don't think so. Regardless of how people are anyway, this abuse of 
a bus driver going about her day's work is just utterly unacceptable. It, it's what it's what happened. It's what is happening here on this particular street. Now, yes, I, uh, bus drivers have a very good, d- difficult t- uh, uh, job. They have to look. I mean, if you're minding up or upwards of 100 people on a bus and you are minding them because th- when you have to literally sit sit there in a driver's seat with no access to the main body of the bus, having to tell people to sit down and stop backing the maggot and stop backing the, 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 the flute to stop people getting on and getting off and to deal with, which I would see myself, I'm a, I take my, my 207, my 208, I take my buses up to wherever else I have to go. I can see the abuse and there, there is that and you either have to have very, very thick skin to it but or thick skin for it. But we have people that are doing the exact same thing here. They're, they're, they're taking liberties um, on the street and it is not conducive to, it's not conducive to the environment, it's not good for people's health. It's fucking... It's not good. I mean, this this is a is a person that's that's doing her job. Yeah. It's her career. It's her job. It's her livelihood. If there's a family involved, she has to pay her bills like the rest of us. She has to do all her bits and pieces. But to come up with this in this day and age, from people that from grown men that should know better, yeah. shame on them. Shame on the least that they could do is own up and turn around and talk directly to that lady and offer her an apology. It's the very least they could do. It, to me, it was just not acceptable. I'm putting myself in the position where I might have parked in a place like that to do a small job, maybe run into you or run into the news agent or something. And I'm seeing a bus full of people and a driver on it coming up. My instinct is, oh Christ, I'm sorry, I'm done. I'm out of here. Uh, you know, give me a See, second. That's it, yeah. But like, okay, you're That's you're pulling reaction. into you're, but like, okay, let's be honest, PJ. In the grand scheme of things, we've all pulled into a stop. We sure shouldn't we have. have for the for the for the two minutes or the one minute. And when somebody does come up behind you with a very large vehicle, who is entitled to pull into their to the designated bus stop, and a two to the horn goes, or even a, 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 a little more than a two to the horn, you go, holy. Molly, I'm going to get out of here because I'm in the wrong. I need to go and park. look. There's four or five. There's four or five car parks in the area here. At the start of the year, when when the roads were dug up outside the shop here, I turned around to customers and said, "Look, guys, if you're coming into my shop or feel that you can't get into the shop because of parking, I will cover the nine euro uh, car parking rate so that you can park your car here for the day. It's nine quid for the day. Mm. Nine euro." It yeah. doesn't break the bank. No, Go around, do your shopping. Yeah, instead instead of doing what these guys did, jump out of the minibus like it, like the A-team and, and start ruining somebody's day. Michael, I'll leave it there for now. Thank you very much. Um, describing that incident which happened McCourton Street Saturday, CityLink bus have issued us with a statement, uh, a quite a lengthy statement. I hope to speak with Francis Cahill from CityLink either today or tomorrow, but that was the incident. And just very briefly, a female driver subjected to abuse and threats from a group of men who had blocked the bay. Passengers witnessed the behaviour. It is being investigated by the guards. And they are reaching out to 96FM as a last resort to try to get it taken seriously. I promise we will speak to Francis Cahill in the fullness of time. But that was a CityLink bus on Saturday afternoon. And whoever you are, or whoever you think you are, 
Shame on you. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Win a pair of Apple AirPods with Cork's 96 FM. Just take our 10-minute music survey and you're in the draw. Tell us the tunes you'd listen to on repeat and what songs we should delete. Win your very own Apple AirPods. Give it a go right now. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Or c96fm.ie. Never ceases to amaze me what will grind an audience's gear on any given morning of the week. Yesterday I was chatting with the principal at Presentation in Balifahan where they will be taking boys in from September of 2024 and we threw the question out there about whether more and more schools are turning co-ed and whether more and more schools should turn co-ed and whether co-ed secondary education was the way forward whether for boys would they be better off just with boys academically same with girls or mixing the two does it work out better academically or does it make them more rounded people at the end of their school days. And I was recalling personally that when I came out of Colossia Creed Street after my leaving cert and went into UCC, into a mixed environment, I was like a fish out of water for the first few months until I found my feet sitting next to someone of the opposite sex in the lecture theatre. I know it might sound silly now, but back then it was kind of, uh-oh, what do I do here? So, co-ed or not? We had a few callers on it and we have a few more waiting to talk. Tazzy, morning. Good morning, how are you? Hi, now you, you're from South Africa, you started in an all-girls school. Yes, yes I did. Um, and I loved it. And then I moved to co-ed when we changed areas and there were no all-girls schools available so I had no option and I really missed being at an all-girls school. <laughs> I found it much easier to concentrate in class and not because boys were distracting because they were boys, but because they were acting the fool in class, being clowns, disruptive. Mm. And I really miss just being able to get sit down and concentrate and listen to the teacher and get on with the work. Mm-hmm. So there was um, the, the girls were all studious and quiet and the boys were mischievous and noisy. Yeah, and I don't know if it would be any different for them if they were at all-boys schools, if they were acting that way because there's girls in the class. I don't know because obviously I've not had experience within that. Mm -hmm. But I just know from girls, all girls to co-ed, I preferred being in the all-girls school. You were 14 when you changed from one to the other. Yes, that's right. So that was um, in high high school is the year you turn 14 in South Africa, which is what we call secondary school here. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know about the ages. I haven't quite worked it out. My kids are not there yet. <laughs> yeah, well, most um, people here would go into secondary school around 12, 13. So there's not so much in it. Okay. No, it's not a huge difference. Um, but also the actual schooling starts a little bit later as well. So that's probably why. Mm. Um, but I also found that it, when embarrassing moments happened at school, in an all-girls school, it was just better than when they happened at, an, at a co-ed school. Like there was a gust of wind and our skirts blew up or something. It's It wasn't as embarrassing, you know, because <laughs> that happened where we lived. That could There could be quite big winds and it was hot, so we didn't wear trousers. Yeah. 
But that's a kind of normal teasing that goes on between boys and girls in in the street every day, isn't it? Yeah, I, I suppose it can. Mm. Like I'm, I went to an all boys school, and when I look back on it now, uh, I was when I came out of it for a few months, I was very awkward going into a college situation where there was girls sitting next to me and I thought and I look back on it and I think maybe are you a parent Tazzy? Yes I've got two sons two sons and would you like them to go to an all boys or a mixed school? So they're in a mixed school okay um, they aren't I, I don't think there's an all boys school nearby but also my older son has autism so I kind of have to go with where there's a unit available indeed and the, uti- the units are all mixed no matter where they are yeah yeah but the other one's a boy, and I just want them to be at the same school. So, sure. what age are they? Um, five and six. Okay, and so I've got a junior and a senior infant. Sure. So, a high baby and a small baby, as we used to call them in Cork, a high baby and a small baby. <laughs> so yeah. So, <laughs> so um, you would you prefer them to be in an all boys if you could arrange it? I would, to be honest, I would. Um, my oldest son was at an all boys initially when he was in early intervention, and I was hoping he would get the spot for the next class, and then I could send them both there. But unfortunately, there were people that lived closer to the school, and they got the next spot. I have you. So I, I went to my next best choice <laughs> of <Yeah>. school. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I was lucky to get in where I got in, but I would still prefer them to be at an all-boys school. And is that because of your own personal experience back in back in South Africa? It is. It is really. Mm-hmm. You know, um, my a- youngest one is a bit of a clown, and I'm hope I, I would hope that if he was in an all-boys school, it wouldn't be as much. So <laughs> here's the thing, though, that sort of we're so concentrating these days now on on teaching our boys, teaching our sons, I know yours are a bit young yet, but teaching our boys to be better, to behave better around women. And and I'm just wondering if co-educational school is a place where you can learn to be quite naturally around girls all day and you'll learn more respect and you'll learn more about consent and you'll understand more about how girls think or rather don't think as part of your schooling, it just occurred to me. Would you have any I mean, to be honest, that? PJ, that's a very good point. It's not something I had thought about. Mm. Um, I suppose maybe because mine are so young, I've not yet thought about that. Oh. Oh, but it, it is a very good point. I just was going on my own experiences. But and, 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 know, the, and they're the experiences right, you have. And they're, yeah, it's just, a, it's just a thought. Tazzy, thank you. Excellent call. And I just wanted, thanks for that, I just wanted to develop that a little bit, sort of, you know, we've talked so much in the last few years, as we become more aware of what's right and wrong, and how to edge it, we all say, don't, don't, you know, teach your sons to have more respect for women. Educate your sons to have respect for women. And I'm just thinking, this is one parent who didn't experience this, I admit, throwing it out there. Do we teach our sons to be better men by having girls in school with them so that they learn alongside girls what girls like and how to deal with girls and how to approach girls? Because, you know what, unleashing a whole bunch of hormone-driven 17-year-olds 
into the world, that mightn't be that mightn't be the best idea either. Thank you, Tazzy. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. I don't know what rabbit hole I'm gone down on with that one, but there you go. There you go. Have you seen this new word? I, I mentioned it at the top of the program, and this new word, um, or this new phrase, has anyone said to you yet, I appreciate you for that? I'm being told here, and it's been predicted to me here, that by the middle of 2024, we will all be saying, I appreciate you for that. Someone buys you a coffee, or gets you a a sandwich. I appreciate you for that. It is apparently the new thank you in America. I think I've heard it. I think it comes from one of those housewives programs. Do you know the ones? The real housewives of Bayou County or some place I've never heard of like that. I think it comes from that. I appreciate you for that. It is the new thank you. It is going to be the new so at the start of every sentence. Oh, that. Uh, oh. How would I, <laughs> I appreciate you for that? But can you imagine me saying at the end of a call? Imagine that now, me at the end of Tazzy's call going, Tazzy, I appreciate you for that. What is happening to the world? Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Corks 96 FM. The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Parks 96 FM. Yeah, there's a thing I would never say. Uh, Katie, I appreciate you for that. <laughs> there. These in the, is there something that people say that drives you crazy? Uh, the soul thing at the end of, or the start of a sentence. I've been guilty of doing it myself, but I would consciously slap myself in the mouth if I heard myself doing it. Um, but I appreciate you. Oh God, help me with that one. That's, 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 that's got to be the weirdest one I've ever heard. That is the new thank you. So they say. The new thank you is I appreciate you for that. Or the way that in Australia and New Zealand, you know the way they shorten words, like there's no longer been a pandemic in Australia. It's a pando. <laughs> it's a pando. <laughs> and um, Arvo. That one, I never never quite understood that one. Arvo for afternoon. But it's what they do. It's what they do. But is there, purely for the want of you telling me the kind of words that drive you mad, 083 396 96 96. Mad, crazy habits. Like people doing like. So, well, like me and him were like walking down the street, like, and I saw a pub, like, and I thought, like, do you want to go for a pint, like? And he said, yeah, I'd like, I'd love a pint, like. That kind of thing. Anyway, two other matters. 0818 96 96 96, the number. And a text or WhatsApp. 083 396 96 96. In the real world. Property prices have continued 
to go up. The average asking price for a three-bedroomed semi in Cork, in the county, is now two thousand or €285,000. The asking price for a four-bed semi is 375000 That's up by 26000 on this time last year. The three-bedroom semi, the so-called starter home, is up 6500 compared to this time last year. This comes from the latest myhome.ie property price report. There's about 1,500 properties for sale in Cork at the end of the third quarter of 2023, which is 5% down over the last couple of months. And when property numbers go down, when the short when there's a short properties, it means prices go up. Joanne Geary is Managing Director of MyHome.ie. Property prices going up. Joanne, when the stock goes down, the prices go up. It's 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 as clear as night follows day, isn't it? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. And I'm going to be careful not to shorten my words now after that. <laughs> you're all right. Um, <laughs> yes, I mean, you're, you've hit the nail on the head for sure. I mean, we're very much in a marketplace here with um, constrained supply. Um, down 5%, as you say, in Cork at the end of um, of last month. So as we all know in the property market, when supply goes down, prices most certainly go up. And that is the fact in Cork. Prices have risen by €10,000 in this quarter just gone. So I wish I had better news for your listeners mm. this morning, but we're in a, a rising asking price inflationary market once again. There seems to be a lot of building going on around me. So what's the problem? Yeah, I mean, there has been a, a decent start to the year, um, just shy of 29,000 housing starts to the end of July. But we're playing catch up here, PJ. You know, we're playing catch up from the property recession, you know, which, you know, we've got 10 years of building catch up that w- we came into it, the pandemic or the pando with, as, as the Australians would say. <laughs> um, so and then obviously we were in lockdown. So construction sites were closed. So we're very much in a period of catch up. But during that time, we've also had an increased population. So the census would tell us that we have um, 5.1 million people living on the island now. And the forecasters are telling us that there will be 5.8 million people um, by 2036. Mm -hmm. So in the last number of years, we've only supplied 120,000 homes to the Irish market for people to live in. That's whether to rent or buy uh, or social or affordable housing. So 120,000 homes when we know there is an increased population and another 700,000 likely people going to be here. We're well into playing catch up here. Mm. So the housing for all would say that we should have a target of 30,000 homes a year. And we will hit that this year by, you know, all all of the, the metrics are there to suggest we will hit it. But we're way off where we need to be. A lot of commentators would say that we need to be delivering in excess of 50,000 homes a year just to keep up with demand, not alone, you know, to fill the hole that's already there. But we barely have enough people, Joanne, we barely have enough tradespeople and builders Mm -hmm. and engineers to build the 30,000 that we'll hit this year. Where are we going to get them to build 50,000? Yeah, I mean, look, this is part of the issue here. I mean, the Construction Industry Federation would tell you that there's uh, about 140,000 people actually employed in some role within the construction industry, which, you know, seems quite healthy and quite good. 
but you know we need to be building more we need to have um, more uh, people within the construction trade we also had an issue if you recall um, last year where construction materials were increasing in price because of the war in Ukraine and you know electricity prices and so much, uh, so on going up but actually that seems to be writing itself somewhat I hear when I when I talk to to builders so there's a couple of dynamics there within the marketplace you know lack of labor there has been increasing construction costs but that seems to be tapering off um, and we need to get more land and obviously our planning system needs to play a role within that as well so my message is we need to be building more uh, a lot more and um, the demand is certainly there you know you can see that in terms of the prices starting to increase again but we also see that in mortgage levels. So the Banking and Payments Federation told us back in August that the average mortgage now being approved for a first-time first buyer is over 300000 mm. That's up 6% in the year. So, you know, what that says to me is that people are feeling, con- feeling confident about their employment. We know there's an extra 12% of people employed since before the pandemic. That's all good news. The economy is is doing very, very well, you know, and people are getting mortgages, you know, uh, and an increase in volume in mortgages where you can, you know, um, uh, qualify for a mortgage. Mm-hmm. And there's lots of supports there in the Help to Buy scheme and the First Home scheme for first-time buyers in particular to get them on the on the ladder. Yeah. Demand is not the issue in this market. Yeah, sure. Supply. Interest rates, though, are an awful lot higher than they were 12 or 18 mm-hmm. months ago. Is that having an effect mm-hmm. on prices and effect on mortgages? It doesn't seem to be. You know, if I look back uh, earlier in the year um, and prices in Cork in particular, they would have been staying kind of stagnant enough, you know, and we've had an increase in prices now since the summer. We've had that interest rate uh, and the signals about interest rates pretty much going on for the last year, 14 months or so. It hasn't affected customer sentiment or consumer sentiment um, in, in terms of buying. And, and certainly it hasn't affected the first-time buyer, I think, because you can see that in the mortgage rates. They've kind of baked in those increased interest rates into their sums okay. already. Okay. Where it might be having an impact is for that trader market. Somebody thinking of moving off a mortgage that they currently have to trade up to a larger home. Yeah. And we're certainly seeing a bit of a slowdown there. You know, in terms of the value of properties going up, uh, you see here in your in your figures that the four-bed semi uh, three hundred and seventy-five thousand—the average price now for someone, you know, sitting on a property with a few years left in their mortgage. T- to hear that the price of their property, the value of their property, is going up—that's that's not so bad. But I can remember, I'm sure you do too, back in two thousand and eight, when things inflated and inflated and inflated, and then the bubble burst, and we were left with mm-hmm. it, with, with carnage. Do you see any yeah. danger of that happening again, Joanne? I don't. And the main reason I say that, PJ, and unfortunately, I remember it only too well. Um, the main reason I say that is because of the mortgage lending rules that are there now okay. from the central bank. So you and I, if we wanted to trade and um, take out a new mortgage in the morning, you know, we can borrow at three and a half times our income. And there's very strict criteria there now than that there wasn't, you know, back in um, the mid-2000s. It was a free-for-all back then, total free-for-all. It was. And, you know, people were over-leveraged and, you know, it was that over-leverage that people were taking out higher mortgages, you know, more than 100% mortgages at the time. Replace the car while you're at it, you know. Exactly, yeah. And, you know, doing all that 
kind of very, you know, high octane, <laughs> you know, borrowing that fueled the market back then. And of course, we all know what happened. There was um, there was the property crash and people were in negative equity and so on. We're not at all in the same space now. Good. We have very good rules, you know, and, and uh, very good measures that have been put in play by the Central Bank of Ireland. Um you know, since then. So Good. that's certainly keeping a lid on prices. If those rules weren't there, I'd, I'd be talking to you about double digit asking price inflation today. And I at see. the moment we're at four, 4%. Four so, you know, it, it's kind of tipping along. It's certainly stabilized. I don't see prices running away from people, but neither do I see um, a, a crash in prices either. Okay. Until such time as we get more building into the market, more more exactly. supply into the market, we're not going to get prices to stabilise, much less come down. Joanne, thank you. Joanne Geary, Managing Director of MyHome.ie. To quote those figures again, the average asking price, or the median asking price, as they call it now, for a three-bedroom house in Cork at the moment, between the city and county, the average is 285,000. And for a four-bedroom, uh, 375,000. And talk to some people trying to get on the property ladder next. 0818 96 96 96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing. Focus solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. So those are the numbers. We gave you the numbers and uh, discussed them with uh, Joanne from myhome.ie. But the real world is people trying to get onto the property ladder. Rebecca, good morning. Good morning. What's your own story? Um, well, we have been uh, we trying to, to buy out for a very long time. Um, so we were both living, we were, we're both from Cork originally, but we were living in Dublin for, I'd say, maybe six years. Uh, we were both working full time. We put our son into creche. He was in there 12 hours a day, five days a week. And we just thought, if we just keep working, keep the heads down, then we'll get there eventually. Mm. Um, but then we realised one day that one, we had no quality of life um, and two, we weren't getting any closer because the goalposts kept moving. Mm-hmm. Um, they were constantly moving. So when our landlord said that he was going to give the house to his son, we said, grand, we'll we'll just head back to Cork at this point. Right. Um, so we were moved able back to Were able to move Cork. jobs and stuff? Um, my husband is actually still commuting to Dublin for his work. Okay, right. Yeah, um, it's still cheaper than living in Dublin, though. <laughs> still much cheaper than okay. living in Dublin. Okay, okay. Um, and it it just means that we get to be around family as well, which because we, we didn't have that when we were in Dublin. Yeah. We were just like there was a couple of years there where we literally we were just working twenty four seven, and like we didn't have a car, we walked everywhere, and we just thought that if we just kept the head down, keep, you know, keep squirreling away that we'd get there eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, but sure, it just, it just got to the point where we were like, it's actually not, we're not getting any closer. Like mm. 12 um, hours a day away from your little boy. That's not healthy. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. And like, and in fairness, we were so lucky. We had the most amazing um, crash um, up in Dublin. They were amazing. Like we still talk to them now. Um, but like, leaving the house at seven o'clock in the morning and like his bedtime was like half seven so you'd see him for you'd only see him really for getting him into getting him dressed for bed and by the time the weekend came we'd been out of the house 
um, all week. So you'd have to be, you know, doing the groceries, cleaning the house, doing the laundry, and that's your weekend, it's gone. And then you're starting again, it's like a hamster wheel. Yeah, that's an existence. That's not a life, really, Rebecca, when you think about it. No, absolutely not. And so we we decided that we would move back to Cork and that we would commute mm-hmm. um, and that we would kind of, because it was, it was, it's a very difficult decision, I suppose. I think this is uh, the thing that faces a lot of people our age is that you're kind of going, I want to expand my family, but how can I do that when I'm renting? Yeah. You know what I mean? So we decided, we decided basically that we were going to have our second child and we knew that that was going to put buying a house a little bit further away, but our eldest child was six and it was kind of, we only wanted the two, you know, so mm-hmm. it was kind of, if we were going to wait for a house, it was going to be another 10 years and he'd be 16, you know, so yeah. it's kind of like, we might, we like, how much can you put your life on hold? We just, it's it's just such a difficult situation. I hear that a lot from my own friends because they're going, you know, how can I start a family? How can I get married? How can I do so all of these things? Are you any closer you know? to it now, to being able to buy? Um, we were very close. We were the closest we've ever been. Um, we we were. Um, and then when the eviction ban was lifted, um, we got a notice of termination on our on the house that we were renting. Um, we contacted them and we said, "Look, we're actually only we're only a few months away from having everything that we need. Um, we're we're so close." And we even said, "Look, you know, here's a." here's what we felt was, you know, I mean, we, we consulted various different other um, valuation experts and we said, look, this is what we're willing to, we're willing to offer and we'll buy the house and you mm-hmm. can keep us in situ for the whole time so that you don't even miss out on a single rental payment. Yeah. yeah. The, the first, um, the and first they, they turned that thing. down. They turned it down. Yeah. Well, that first refusal thing just is nonsense because nobody, nobody's, it's, I mean, I don't even see how legislatively it could possibly work. It doesn't make any sense. Mm. Not to mention the fact it was going to be, it, it was one of those things designed to, to soften the blow of lifting the eviction ban. But none of those measures were actually in place when the ban lifted. So they were mm. totally useless to us. Yeah, it's it um, sounds it sounds nice when someone came up with it uh, at the cab uh, at the cabinet table or wherever they came up with it. Well, do you know what? Now, if someone's being evicted from the house because the landlord wants to sell it, maybe maybe we'll give see. Can we give them the first option to buy it? It sounds like a great idea until you try to put it into practice. Yeah, like I mean, it's just it's totally it's totally unworkable. It wouldn't stand up. Mm. It wouldn't stand up anywhere, and it's going to take. They're saying, oh, we'll work out all the kinks. Well, that'll take years, so, so where, it's not where, much use to us right where now. Where are you now? Um, we found another rental property. Okay. Um, we were so, so lucky because we were, honestly, we were physically, myself and my husband were both physically sick with worry. Yeah. We were, I mean, I honestly, I have gotten a notice of termination many times over the years. Now, it's always because we've never actually... It's never because we've done anything wrong or been late. We're always no. perfectly with, you know, we've been renting for over 10 years. We've never been late with rent. We don't have parties. We're much too boring for that. Um, it's always just been that they're selling the house or they just want people yeah. out because they want to put the rent up yeah, or whatever. You, you and I talked before, actually, I think, and you were very upset about what, what was going on now that I, now that I recall. Uh, and uh, I wish you luck with, with trying to get on to the letter. Talk to me about this commute, though. How is that working for your husband? So um, at the moment, he works in Dublin two days a week. Okay. 
So he gets he gets the he leaves our house um at about five o'clock in the morning, um and he gets home then about ten p.m. Right. Um and and then the rest of the week then he works from home. So hold on now he he goes up and down two days. Yeah. <sighs> wow. That's two sixteen yeah. or seventeen hour days. Yeah, it was. It's actually the best, the best option of a bunch of bad options. Frankly, it's really, really it the best be, option. It must be like a rasher at the end of it, though. Yeah, it's it's a very it's a it's a long trip, and he doesn't drive like so. He's he's literally he's walking out the door to get a, to catch a bus from Carrigline at five o'clock in the morning, you know, and then he's getting the bus home as well on top of it. So it's, you know, the driving might be a bit more tiring, but you're still stuck in a bus for hours either way. God, that's. That's heavy going, but you say it's it's better than renting in Dublin. Rebecca, thank you very much for that. Good good luck with getting something. I hope you do get sorted eventually. Um and safe travels to your to your husband. Let me go to I'm ready to go with Anna. I'll do a break for us, lads, will I? I'll, I'll go to her. Okay, she's uh, line one. All right, thanks. Anna. Yeah. Hi there. You had a deposit <laughs> down, but the house price went up. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we basically um, put, we had an agreement last year and um, we met the builder and we, you know, look, it was total Celtic Tiger type situation, I suppose, <laughs> reflecting on it, that we went to a field and picked out from a plan where the house was going to be. We yeah. were shown pictures, you know, we agreed with it. It had already commenced the first phase so there was some you know a couple of houses already there and um, yeah we agreed 405 I think was the amount and then fast forward um, I'm trying to think it was in the new year so probably February time so we had met in the summer previous so not a full year but you know six or seven months and um, we said, look, is, is all systems go? Because they were starting to put down the foundation. So obviously we had to meet him to get the contracts and stuff drawn up. And he had asked, could we meet him in the same place we met him the time before? So we did. And he said, I just need to talk to you about something else as well. And we said, OK. And he said, look, um, the house has gone up as well from um, 405 to 475. Holy mother. <laughs> How much is the deposit on that, Anna? So with the help to buy scheme and things like that, we well we didn't get the full amount for the help to buy scheme. And obviously, if you do get the full amount, it was thirty k. So it was twenty um, k that we were um, granted from the help to buy scheme, and then the additional twenty k. Then so it's forty k total for a four hundred thousand euro house. Um, but you know what? On reflection, we said no way straight away because we we're not expected. You know, we, we, that, was, that caught us off guard. This crack um, happened before as well, where phase, and was this the same phase one? Because phase one would go up and you'd... It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. 
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plushcare. Plushcare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You'd go in and you'd view it. But of course, mm. phase one was always sold out at, we'd well, say, yeah. 360,000. Exactly. But sure, phase two is coming on stream next year and it's another 90 houses. Yeah, the exactly. same bloody house That's was 90 was, grand right? dearer. Yeah, so it was phase three that we were going to be in, let's say. It's the same but, house. Yeah, yeah. Um, and a friend of mine, actually, um, she moved home from the UK, so she sold an apartment that she inherited in London. So, look, she had a, a hefty bit of money behind her and she was delighted with herself, but she actually ended up um, contacting the same builder. She was in dire straits. She had nowhere to live and she was moving back here. She had a job lined up and she just said, look, I'm going to contact him and see what the situation is. And he actually upped the deposit as well. So usually, and from other people I know that have bought new bills, it's 5,000 euro would be the holding deposit. Mm. And he asked her for 10. Now, because she didn't talk to anybody else about it beforehand, she handed over 10K and then was told, oh, I'm actually going to have to put you into a different phase. So that was... They're at it again. They are at it again. Yeah, that was last Christmas and she still doesn't have a house and she's 10k short and she's looking for an update on when her house is going to be built. So, yeah, it's really frustrating. And look, I suppose when we walked away from the situation, we actually said, you know what, we are so much better off because we don't want to be nearly half a million euro in debt. It was an eye opener because we want to be able to, you know, pay our mortgage and not have to live on beans and toast then for the rest of the month. I was thinking that. Like, I'm sorry now, but 465... Thousand euro, seventy-five thousand yeah. euro for a like. What kind of a mortgage were you looking at, Anna? If you could get it. Well, we hadn't gotten to that point yet because um, basically, like you know, we were just kind of look. We were figuring it out at the time, but with the um, so at the time we were looking at the shared equity scheme, and that was what we were going to. So it was that new scheme that they brought yeah. in to bridge the gap. Now. I think the mortgage would have been around 295 or 310. Those two figures are in my head. Sorry, it's just because it was a few months ago now. And then the uh, the other money would have bridged the gap then to bring us up to 405. If I owed owed the bank 310,000, I'd not sure I'd sleep. (laughs) Yeah. But I actually, I was just saying there to um, the producers, like at the moment, we're trying to, like, we're renting, our rent is 1400 We're trying to save on top of that to just, you know, keep our, you know, just keep saving away or whatever. Because, I mean, with the way things are going, you need loads of savings now. Um, a bag of shopping in Aldi last night cost me €70. Euro. I nearly keeled over. But, look, that's another topic. Um, but 
with the new, um, the sh- I keep calling it the shared equity scheme, but it's actually called the FERT home loan, I think is the official term. And that's the money that the government basically are giving you to bridge the gap between when you buy the house um, they will give you up to thirty percent, I think, stake in the house, and then you pay that back. Mm. I think you start paying it back after the first five years. You'd nearly wanted to agree to figure out all the different schemes that are there. Totally, but I think for younger couples or for people who are trying to get on the property ladder, with that scheme, it's actually open. It's called a fresh start scheme for people who are divorcees. Let's say. And I think at the moment it's very unfair if you look at it, you know, in very black and white terms, because potentially you have first time buyers coming up against divorcees who have sold their house with their ex partners. They might chunk of change in the bank. Yeah. Yeah. And then they're getting the scheme on top of it. So you know, you're, how are you supposed to go up against someone who potentially has 200k in their back pocket? I know, I know, I know. Kate has a question in here. She says, would Anna and people like her not be better off buying a second-hand house? The taste mightn't be what you'd like, but at least you wouldn't be left with a garden that needs landscaping and so on. It might work out more livable on a certain budget. But all of the incentives there are to buy something new, aren't they, Anna? Yes. So the first um, home scheme and the help to buy scheme are only available for new builds. They're not available for um, second hand. So let's say with the help to buy scheme, if you do get the full 30k back, mm. um, which is tax that you've previously paid, you cannot. You can use that only as a deposit on a new build. You cannot use that on a second hand house. Now they're talking about opening that up potentially, I heard whispers, um, to second-hand buyers. Now, we don't know this is to do with the budget. I would imagine we'll know this information by next week. But if they open it up to second-hand buyers, I think that is going to cause ructions because the price of second-hand homes are going to skyrocket because auctioneers are going to say, ah, sure, people have potentially have 30K in their pocket. Let's add 50K to the price of this yeah. house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's getting worse. <laughs> You're inflaming the market with all of these schemes, even though they, they read well on the face of it, mm-hmm. but they end up at the end of it inflaming the market because going right back to my conversation with Joanne from myhome.ie, the problem is a shortage of property. We'll build 30,000 this year, but we need to be building 50,000 just to keep treading water, as it were. And there's not a chance of that happening because apart from that, Nels... All the people who built them for us in two thousand and seven, two thousand and eight, are all gone to the four corners of the world. We haven't enough. We have enough tradespeople. Yeah. But there was new houses built in Waterfall, um, just near Marymount. There, there. Well, they're being built, and there was same thing. Now there were people queuing in their cars overnight to go there. And if you actually look on the auctioneer's website, it breaks down how fantastic these schemes are to avail of, and that you only need a mortgage for two nine five, but the houses are four twenty. <sighs> Someone's going to want that difference back someday. Exactly. <laughs> and there's issues... There's no the- such thing as free money. Yeah, I read an article the other day and um, they introduced a similar scheme in the UK and the interest rates are gone so high on these houses now that people are actually going back to renting yeah. because 
the schemes that they can't afford the the interest rates whereas at least with rent you know for the best part if you have a nice landlord and they're not putting up your rent you know um, you know you know that your rent is going to be the same every month and you're not potentially getting an extra 100 euro hike every month you know I know know. it's it's so many different questions going on I'm so so glad I'm not trying to get into that market now I bought my first house (laughs) I bought my first house for 39,000 pounds uh, yeah, I know. 0818969696. Anna, thank you. Or should I say, Anna, I appreciate you for that. Top of money and borrowing and banks and building societies and mortgages and all of those things. I see in front of me the list of the top 10 best customer service in the country. It's a, a CXI report, comes out every year around this time, and it looks at the top 10, it looks at a big long list of different brands in the country that give you the best customer service experience. And on top of that list, for the ninth year on the trot, and well and truly ahead of the field, the most favourite brand in the country for customer service. And I'm not at all surprised your local credit union. We'd all be lost without them. The credit unions deliver, according to CSI, and have done for years now, the best customer service in the country. The other ones in the top ten include All Care, the Pharmacy Group, Smith's Toy Stores, Spec Savers. Must say I've always been very happy with them. Leia Healthcare. Uh, there's, there's, actually, there's one, two... There's three pharmacies in the top ten. And Marks and Spencer's food department is in there. And Dunn's is in the top ten. Way down the bottom of the list. The ones delivering the worst customer service. RTE and Ticketmaster. Among others. There's been long lists of them though. I must try and find the full list and print it out. But just, you know... That's fantastic to see because you'd be lost without the credit union, lads. You'd be absolutely lost without the credit union. 0818 96 96 96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Quartz 96 FM. Oldies and Irish on Cork's 96FM is the big Sunday show on your radio. Turn it up and take it easy with the best music mix for your Sunday morning. Welcome along to the programme. Lovely to be with you on a Sunday morning. Oldies and Irish with Derry O'Callaghan. Sundays, 10am to 2pm. With Cork Simon. Anne wants to give everyone the home that Cork gave her. She's leaving a gift in her will to Cork Simon. Find out more at CorkSimon.ie. Cork's 96FM. There's a thing on that top ten. There's uh, five or six of them would have a strong Cork presence. Obviously, uh, the credit unions would be in every parish be dozens of them around Cork. All care pharmacies. I go to one of them myself. They're everywhere. They're number two in the country. Smiths are here in Cork. Specsavers. Leia Healthcare. They're, I think that they're based in Cork. I think they are. Um, Marks and Spencer's only over the road, sure, uh, for the food. And, uh, and Dunn's. Sure, Dunn's are everywhere. That's out of the top ten. Is there a company here in Cork that you think should get credit 
for their customer service. I'm always very impressed with uh, the credit union and with pharmacies in general. I find customer service good. Um, but uh, is there a company here in Cork that has done, got out of its way to give you exceptional customer service? And uh, would you like to recognise it just today? We've no prizes or nothing for them. But uh, 08, 08 Three three ninety six ninety six ninety six. A Cork company that has gone out of its way to be nice to you in terms of customer service. Better again, drop me a voice message and tell me about them, or come on the air and talk to me about them. Let's big up some of our local Cork companies. There are six of them in the top ten nationally. Credit unions everywhere. All care, Specsavers, Smith. They were not You know yourself. They're in, but a Cork company. That has gone out of its way for you. 083 396 There's something else in the news today that I think will start a conversation or start a discussion, maybe not immediately, but down the line. I read in the, the paper today, see it on some of the American news websites. ABC News is the one I have this one from. Associated Press had it too. The Pope, Pope Francis, is suggesting that there might be a way for the church to bless same-sex unions. Now, this is a big step forward because traditionally the Vatican says that marriage is strictly only between a man and a woman and it is opposed to gay marriage. That is just the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church only sees marriage as between a man and a woman and it couldn't get a gay marriage or a same-sex marriage blessed. But now Pope Francis, who seems to be a man that tends to think a little bit outside the box, he is saying there may be a way to bless in the church a same-sex union as long as you don't call it matrimony. Remember, it won't be matrimony is the sacrament. So you won't be able to call it matrimony. But there may be a way to bless same-sex unions in the church. He's, He's answering some cardinals in writing a letter and all this kind of thing. It's an interesting one. Let's see where it goes. 0818 96 96 96. Now, we talked about Sheehan before on the programme and there are 40-foot truckloads of Sheehan stuff landing in Ireland every day. Like it or hot, that's happening. But Tracy Walker, you've been tracing something for a while. There are those now... I'm going to be careful about how I do this. There are those who are buying loads of Shein stuff, rebranding it and selling it as their own brands and making an absolute fortune. Good morning. Good morning, Peter. How are you? Very well. Now, without getting me onto the steps of any courthouse nearby... No, no, I won't do that at all. (laughs) Tell me what's going on. Because to be fair now, Tracy. I heard of this happening with Alibaba stuff. I heard of yeah. it happening with Wish stuff. I've heard of it happening with pretty much most, but Sheehan seemed to have taken it to Olympic levels. Oh, absolutely. And I'm not blaming the Sheehan company itself. It's people who are facilitating by using Sheehan technically as a wholesaler. So here's what I do, if I'm right. So I yeah. go and I buy a thousand sweatshirts for two bucks each from Shein and I rebrand them as PJ's Clobber and I sell them for 25 bucks each. 
Yes. But surely I'm breaking the law there. You see, I, like, I don't know, PJ, about the ins and outs of the law right. and what constitutes breaking the law when it comes to rebranding something and selling it on. But what happened, PJ, was I've spoken to you about my cancer journey before. Yeah. Um, and my hair is, has been regrowing. And so hair bands are my go-to accessory at the moment while I'm trying to manage my hair while it's growing. Okay. So... Um, I'm a big advocate of small business. So, yes, I buy from the bigger department stores. Yes, I buy from Sheen. But when I buy from Sheen, I know I'm buying from Sheen. But I also support small business. And I buy local. And, like, there's so many um, small businesses know that I, I buy from them to support them. I'm a big advocate of it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the difference with buying from a small business versus a larger business is when you buy from a small business, those people do a happy dance because you're supporting their dream. Mm-hmm. And in like when I'm, when I'm shopping, I try to spread it out. So I was looking for hairbands there back in July um, coming up to my holidays and I popped on to this Irish website, um, an Irish-branded website. Mm. So, lovely set of hairbands, but I used to work with fabric, PJ. So, like, I recognise fabrics. Mm-hmm. And the fabric on one of these hairbands stood out to me as a match for a dress fabric that I saw on Sheen. So, out of curiosity... I took a screenshot of it and I uploaded it to the Sheen website. Now, for those who don't know, when you go onto the Sheen website, there's a search bar. And in that search bar, there's a little camera icon. And if you select that camera icon, you can upload a screenshot or a photograph onto that. And that search engine will actually find something similar to what you have uploaded. But lo and behold, when I did that with the hairbands, the exact photograph came up. So not only were they used, not only were they selling the Sheen product, mm-hmm. but they were also selling, or using the Sheen photographs. Right. To sell their product. Okay. Now I so, have you. So they're, so, buying, they're buying a thousand hairbands for... 50 cents a piece, rebranding them and then putting the Sheehan photograph to sell them. Yes. This is one particular company. Sure. So this was a pack of three hairbands for six twenty-five. Right. And they were selling them on their website for 39 euros. Right. Now, it is a while since I used or needed a hairband. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but, that was, but, but that what is the price is of one? 900% increase. Sweet Lord. How much? 900%. Good God. Margin. Now, PJ, if it was a euro or two euros, I wouldn't have taken as much notice. But because I, like, I put trust in Irish brands. Mm -hmm. And this, like, this particular company has been featured on Irish programs. Mm -hmm. And 
when you put your tr- like you you're spending your hard earned money. Quick question, Tracy, again yeah. without identifying or going anywhere near. Oh yeah, no, were no, they, I won't. Were they purporting to sell this as their own product? Yes. Right. Yes. But what happened then was I sent them the photographs to this particular company, mm-hmm. and their response was. Oh, we get all our um, all our items are designed ourselves. Uh, they're produced in Italy, um, and there was no further comment. And then they proceeded to block me off all their social media. God, I wonder why. Yeah. So um, I did a reel for my Instagram, living on living in Boerbuys, my Instagram, and I did a reel for it, and I posted it. Well, since I posted that, the amount of photographs that I get sent from not just this company, but from a load of different small businesses around the country mm-hmm. who are doing the same thing, they're buying in products from Sheen. Or Now, when, when this all blew up, I actually got a phone call from this particular company. Mm-hmm. Um, about, it was about it was after I came back from holidays so it was about two weeks ago maybe I got a phone call now first I don't know how he got my number so it must have been from his customer database right which is a breach of GDPR because I gave no Just I, I don't give permission that, yeah. to use yeah. my my marketing or my number for marketing purposes or anything they were only allowed to use my number for contacting me in relation to the order, which I had placed orders with him in the past. So that has to be how he got my number. But he proceeded to tell me that his wife designs everything herself. So I said, right, so I said, your wife is designing them, but Sheen are putting them up on their website first. I said, that's amazing. That's your wife, like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I left it at that with him. I told him, look, I wasn't taking down the reel and I've heard no more since. But then someone sent me a photograph of a top that had appeared on the website. And it turns out that top was on Sheen as well. Yes. You've been but, doing your little detective work here, but, I'm not, but you see, that's just it, PJ. I'm only getting it by chance. I'm not on a vendetta. Like, I'm not... Look, I've been through an awful lot myself personally. So I know, no, no, I, I wasn't. So, I wasn't like, being critical. I was. I had a no, big smile no. on my face, and I'm telling you, you know, you had time like on your anything, hands. And you... <laughs> but anything I've come across, it's by chance. And all I've done, I created two reels. One was to show what this particular company were doing, and the second was a reel to show others how they can check a product they're buying against something that is on Sheen to make sure they're not being caught the same way. So you reckon it's widespread that this is happening? Oh, it's widespread. Because I do remember, like I said to you, I remember it happening with Alibaba. I remember it happening with Wish and cosmetics, I think, being bought by the trailer load from Alibaba and rebranded with somebody's name. And if you're you're idiot enough to buy that, well, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like... Um, there, I was sent a photograph on not last night, the night before, of a of um, a pair of earrings. Yeah. From another small Irish business, 
a business that I have bought from, a business that I had interaction with, a business that I have shared a lot on my own Instagram. Mm -hmm. And it was purchased for 175 and they were being sold for 22 euros. Yeah, it's it's, 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 it's worth it. You know, yeah, but like my point on it all is um, like there's so many other fantastic small businesses who work so hard. You know, there's people who work around the clock to give excellent service. PJ, I worked in retail for 24 years and I know how hard it is to get that money in the till. And there are businesses out there who do work hard and who are providing excellent service and are providing excellent quality products but people just need to know who they're buying from. And where they're sourcing and where the, from. Yeah, and yeah. where their money is going. Right. Like for me, our, our money is hard earned. I want to know that if I'm, if I, and I do buy from Sheen, but if I buy from Sheen, I know I'm paying right. Sheen. If I buy from a small Irish business... You don't want to be buying some sheen. I don't want to be buying... Yeah. Tracy, the clock clock isn't going to catch me horrible here. I need to leave it at that, but thank you very much for that. It is happening wholesale and not for the first time. People buying stuff, buckets of stuff, cheap as chips from sheen, rebranding it and selling it as their own. If anything else, it's dishonest. Thanks, Tracy. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Quartz 96 FM. You're now up to date on the home of Laureen and Frost in the morning, weekdays from 6am. Quartz 96 FM. Katie. Yes? I appreciate you for that. <laughs> no problem. Tell me where to go, will you? <laughs> the minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Quartz 96 FM. Seriously, actually, someone was on here saying, I work for an American company. My manager is based in Austin, Texas. And constantly says, I appreciate you. Instead of thank you. At the start, I was thinking, what's she on about? But, you know, how does it... But now I feel it's a bit more sincere, a bit more appreciative than a than a thanks. I can see it taking off. Oh, we're being told here that it will be the new thank you. Uh, PJ, appreciate is a word I use regularly. I was taught as a child to have appreciation for everything big or small. Maybe it's only a new word in the USA. No, no, it's not kind of a state... Oh, thank, oh, geez, thank you for that. I appreciate that. Or thanks for that. I appreciate that. That's that's different to I appreciate you for that. Just sounds about. It just sounds often. Eleanor says my granddaughter Amy always says that to me. Does she say? Actually, Eleanor, does she? I appreciate you for that. Crikey! See, catch the kids. If you catch the kids, everybody else follows. I know, I know. And we asked you about stuff that just grinds your gears a little bit. People using a particular form of words. D hates being called hun. A lot of women hate being called hun or my love. Well, I'm not your love. Do you know? Then again, you go to parts of the UK and they call everyone, hello, love, how are you? You just get used to it. But D hates being called hun. 
Sarah hates sop a tea. See, it's sop. But you don't like sop either, do you? <laughs> no. No, no. You'll have a drop in your hand was a great one. Actually, I'd prefer a cup. I always used to say that. You'll have a drop in your hand. I'd prefer a cup, if you don't mind. Yeah. Another one. Yeah, this, now, this happens all the time. It happens in this job every day. And we've become so used to it now, we don't even notice it. Uh, Kevin says, you bring someone on the show. So I say, hi, we're talking to so-and-so. Good morning to you. Thank you for having me on. Kevin says, yeah, I've noticed that being... No- that started in America, Kevin. I remember listening to NPR, which is kind of a national public radio news program. They have a great late-night news program. I used to listen to it a lot years ago. And that's where that started was, um, you know, joined now by such and such a spokesman for NASA to talk about the new developments with the space program. Uh, good afternoon, Professor. Thank you for having me on. If you didn't have him on, you wouldn't have a show. But there you go. I know. Thank you for having me. Yeah, having you do what, says Kevin. It's just crept into normal. It's kind of normal, but it happens now here all the time. Happens to me all the time. You know, thanks for taking my call. Thank you for making the call. That kind of thing. But there you go. How language changes. Doesn't bother me anymore. It used, to, it used to get to me all right, Kevin. You know, thank you for having me. It used to annoy me a little bit, but it doesn't anymore. It's, it's, it's as normal as breathing now. And so they tell us that um, I appreciate you for that. will be as normal as breathing by the end of 2024. God forgive the language. 0818 96 96 96. I remember talking about PCOS arts many years ago now. It's a troublesome devil. And it's a thing that many women are diagnosed with after trying to figure out for a long time what was actually wrong with them. And you'd think that once you get the diagnosis, your problems end there because you know what's going to happen then. You know what's wrong with you. You know what you have and you can deal with it. Not always. Any. You were diagnosed, what, three years ago now, isn't it? Good morning to you. Uh, Good morning. I suppose it was in my teens that I started to think that maybe something was wrong because, you know, like our bodies change and when we're having puberty. But I found it very difficult to lose weight, for example, even though like I tried to eat well. And I found, you know, things like excess body hair was happening to me that wasn't happening to like my peers. Mm. And then when I went to the doctor, I was told that I have high blood pressure, which... That's not normal for a teenager and I couldn't understand why. Mm -hmm. And I knew that I already had one of the three symptoms that I needed to be diagnosed with PCOS. I just needed to be told if I had sits on my ovaries or excess male hormones. Mm. So you had a fair idea that it might be PCOS from your own reading. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And... It wasn't until I got the ultrasound to see if I had cysts in my ovaries that I actually found out that I had it. And there was a month in 2020 in between those two appointments when I got the ultrasound and when I was going in to get the official diagnosis by the doctor. So I did a lot of research because, sure, we were in lockdown. I didn't really have anything else to do. (laughs) So I kind of made sure that, you know, I had my list of questions going into the doctor. And the first one for me because it was the most important for me at the time was would I like, is there a way I could 
um, test if I can have children. Yeah, I'll, I'll come um, back to that in a second because yes. that's one of the yes. that's one of the things that can happen if you have severe PCOS that it can affect your fertility. In, in what other yeah. ways, at twenty two years of age, in what other ways was it affecting you? That stage. Well, I already knew that I had issues with um, blood pressure and that I had issues with um, depression. I had also been told that I could possibly have pre-diabetes, which is another complication of PCOS. Yeah. And also the fact that um, I was gaining all this weight and no matter what I was doing, I couldn't lose it. I see. Which is another symptom. So it was affecting me in quite many ways. Um, it been mentally ways difficult is, to deal with all that as well, was it? Yes, exactly. And um, another way is saying that like with body hair, like it's common for women to have very thin hair on their head and then thick body hair. And that's also that started happening to me in the lockdowns. And I was very confused and alarmed by it as well. So it was, yeah, it was affecting me in a lot of ways and it was really impacting my mental health and... So I knew that I needed to look for answers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you get the diagnosis. Doctor says, yeah. yes, you have PCOS. Uh, you, yeah. You've done enough research of your own to know what it is. What's the first question yeah. you wanted to ask the doctor? Whether or not um, I could be told if I'm able to have children or not. Because I am someone who I would love to have children someday and have my own little family. Mm-hmm. And he just looked at me with such confusion and was genuinely confused as to why I'd want to know if I could have kids or not. And then he proceeds to tell me that, well, you could just have unprotected sex and that'll determine if you can have children or not. Stop one second there now. So first of all, he seemed thrown by this question of yours, whether you might be able to have children, but sure, he's just diagnosed you with a condition that can affect your ability to have children. Why would he be at all surprised at that question? Your guess is as good as mine. It's been years and I still have no idea why he acted that way towards me. But the sad thing is, is that after telling my story to other women that I know who have PCOS, they were not surprised at all that he acted that way towards me because they've received similar treatment from various other doctors. And he said to you, you could try unprotected sex. But I mean, I think you probably were more in asking, well, is there a test you can do? Is there something you can do to assess my... F-? You didn't yes. you, you didn't expect what he told you like. No, it completely threw me. I was, I was stunned. I genuinely thought I was in some sort of like weird dream or I zoned out or something. Because I was like, surely a medical professional didn't just tell me to do that. Like, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, yeah. three years on, uh, first yes. of all, are you still going to the same doctor? But, but, but no. second, no, no. But secondly, how's your health? My health is like it's a lot better. You know, I am still doing everything that I can to take care of myself. You know, like eating well, going to the gym regularly, all of that. I still, sadly, don't have many answers. I've been going to different doctors trying to find answers of how it's affecting my body and honestly I have yet to find one that's taking me seriously um, really? really? Yeah, I am I am currently on the waiting list to see an endocrinologist and I've been told that they are very good for taking PCOS seriously so I'm hoping I'll get answers then Yeah um, I'm sure that you've asked other doctors about yes. the possibility of, of having children What have they they said to you? I've been brushed off 
sometimes. One doctor did say to me that there is a test, but there is certain criteria, like you have to be actively trying for a few years and it's also private, so it's quite expensive. And then when I tried to follow up on that, I was met with radio silence. As in, I tried to book this appointment and I heard nothing back. Mm-hmm. I was told that I would get a call back and that was about a year now. That's unfortunate. So, and you just simply yeah. want an answer to a question at 25 now. You, you simply want an answer to a question. Yes, I have this thing. Yes, it can affect my possibility of, of having a family. What are the chances yes. that it would... It, it seems to me a fairly logical question to be asking. Yes, thank you. No, it doesn't make yeah, absolute sense to me that you'd ask that question, given that, like you said to me earlier on, you want to be a mammy. I do. And I also know that there are some serious complications like that I'd be more prone to diabetes and high blood pressure, like just mm. in general and also during pregnancy. And like in some cases in PCOS, depending how it affects your body, you'd be more likely to miscarry. So, like, these are all things that I really would love answers to. And it's very frustrating just not getting them. May I ask, I know the first doctor that you no longer go to, that was a, that was a man. Are your doctors mm-hmm. men or women now? I mainly go to women now as best as I can. Um, and some of them have taken me seriously for the most part. Like the woman who, the female doctor who did tell me about that test. Mm-hmm. But yet I'm still finding it so hard to get the answers. Mm. And it's seeming to me that like, it's just frustrating because I know I'm not the only woman either. Do you get the the sense, Annie, that, well, we don't know, but we're afraid to admit to you that we don't know? Maybe. That thought did cross my mind. Either that or they're just not willing to say that the treatments just simply aren't here in Ireland. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know that they're in other countries because one or two friends of mine who have PCOS, they've gotten all of their answers mm-hmm. because they went to other countries, like they weren't from Ireland. So they just went back to the countries that they're from and they got all of their answers there. So the theory I currently have is that we just simply don't have the treatment here and they're just not willing to admit it. Are you on medication? No. No, I'm not, because um, I I don't know if I I don't know if I need to be on medication. Right, like you yeah. said, a lot of questions and very few answers. That's disappointing, and I I imagine not a little worrying. It is worrying, yeah. Especially like especially given the complications that I know could arrive from it at some point. You know, I'd love to be able to just nip them all in the bud before they actually become issues. You know. So September, the month of awareness, is just gone. I think what your yeah. message, Annie, is there's not a lot of awareness out there. No, not in Ireland anyway. You have a good day and mind yourself, yeah? You too. Thank you. Thanks, thanks, Annie. Yeah, the, the first time I ever spoke to someone about PCOS now was a fair few years ago. Um, and that's the most bizarre thing that she'd go to a doctor and the doctor would say, well, why don't you just try to get pregnant? That's a bit mad, isn't it? Thank you, Annie. 0818969696. Speaking of women's health, Cork's 96 of M's opinion line, proud to be partnering this week with the National Menopause Summit, which takes place Friday, October 20th, two weeks this Friday, at Cork City Hall. It's during World Menopause Awareness Month. 
Uh, all the details and tickets are at uh, nationalmenopausesummit.com. But to mark our association with them, we are celebrating some fabulous women this week on The Opinion Line. All we need you to do is give us her name. I think an artist's job is to be, to be themselves uh, at any cost. And you don't even then have to think about how that affects people. It, it just does affect people like you or I. Her name and yours, please. 083 396 96 96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. Question 10. What county is the smallest in Ireland? Loud. My hands are shaking, Sarah. I don't know about you. My hands are rattling here. You're killing me here, lad. Please be loud. You said loud. <laughs> now I feel really bad oh, for no. making you wait to tell you you've just won 2,000 euros. With Peaky Barbers, they know the value of loyalty and a fresh fade at any age. Search Peaky Barbers Cork. Lorraine and Ross in the morning. The money. On Cork's 96 FM. Right, totally out of left field. You ever buy something and you think you were buying something and then you open it up and you've got something else entirely? Aubrey, we'll get over what would have persuaded you to buy prawn cocktail crisps in the first place. But... But what happened? Tato prawn cocktail. What happened to you, sir? Good morning. Good morning, Peter. Yes, I normally don't buy the crisp because uh, of my health situation, but I had a craving for the prawns cocktail. Yeah. And I bought a packet in one of the supermarkets in our village. And as I came home, I was sitting watching TV, and then I opened it and started eating it. But then I realized that... um, it was not prawns cocktail. It was like a salt and vinegar flavor. I see. So the right crisps in the wrong, the wrong crisps in the right bag. <laughs> That's right, yeah. <laughs> Crikey. Are you sure they just didn't just... I mean, had you, were you familiar, are you familiar with what the prawn cocktail crisps should taste like? Yes, yes. And I asked one of my colleagues at work, and also she said it's not prawns cocktail. Um, not at all. Um, and she said to me, she had uh, the same experience a long time ago when she, when they was uh, on holiday or somewhere in Ireland, and she also bought a packet, and the the crisp was different as the flavour. Crikey, I've never, I've never heard of that happening before with with Tato. Um, see, that's gas. Is, is that a new flavour on the market? I've I've not seen it out there before, but. Uh, I have got no clue. As I said to you, I don't buy the crisp yeah. uh, because of health issues. But, you know, I just had a crave because I I know this the, the, the taste of the prawns cocktail. It's yeah. nice. Uh, and I was shocked yeah. to see it was yeah. not prawns cocktail. I'm just wondering if anybody else has, has come across that. So you bought prawn cocktail crisps, you opened them up, and there they were, and they salt and vinegar. Uh, yeah, someone else is straight here saying, uh, John says, I, I got a Kit Kat, and it was all chocolate. There was no biscuit in it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I know. And then there was another woman who found a dead rat in her sliced pan. Sarah, please, don't load oh, no. 
<laughs> awful. That is awful. I just Peter, I just I don't want anything out of this, you know. It's just oh, oh, know. attention and uh, let people know and we you have to tell the the manufacturer, you know, so they can look into it. I have been on to them um via the the internet and I phoned and the lady said, Oh well she will they will get back to me on last Friday but they didn't. Okay, that this is because that's you see, in all seriousness, Aubrey, that is an issue because if you were allergic to an ingredient and the wrong crisp was in the packet, yeah, it could yeah. trigger your allergy, yeah. yes, yes, yeah, you know? exactly. exactly. That, that's that's yeah. the thing that would, would, would occur to me, like for example, if you eat salt and vinegar crisps and you accidentally open them up and find this cheese and onion in it and you have an onion allergy there's onion juice in that or onion extract in that you're in trouble yeah yeah exactly. so, so it, like, it exactly. sounds like a funny mistake and thank you for bringing it to my attention but it's something that could be serious it could trigger an allergy yeah, yeah. Now, I kept the packet and yeah. I was waiting for them to, to call me back they sent us a picture of it so. actually yeah. yeah, yeah. I have some of. Uh, I've eaten most of the the crisp. You had to keep some fruit <laughs> because I had. <laughs> I had a craving, but yeah, it's it's it's. I have it and it's there. Okay. I can send it to them if they want. Okay. All right. That's good, Aubrey. Thank you very much for that. Yeah, and he did send us in a picture, and I didn't know this. Here's something completely. I've done. Did you even spot this, Emer, when you got the picture? But it's Tato. Prong cocktail flavor potato crisps. But down at the bottom, under it, it says Briscon Frotti Flavlos Monglim Clichon. No, it's not Greek, it's Irish. Briscon Frotti Flavlos Monglim Clichon. So presumably, Monglim Clichon is the Irish for prawn cocktail. Monglim, click, and click on is a prawn. I didn't know that. There's something I learned today that I didn't know getting out of bed this morning. A click on is the Irish for prawn. But <laughs> did you ever open up a packet and find something that shouldn't have been in there? You know, like open up a packet of Jaffa cakes and it's full of ginger nuts or something like that. Kit Kat, it was all chocolate and no wafer. I, I that happened. I remember having to having bought a, I'm particularly partial to a bit of whole nut chocolate, and I bought a whole nut. You know the little, the little eight square whole nut, and there was nuts in the top two, three squares, and there was no nuts in the other half of the bar. Now that was just, I don't know, bad luck. I guess it didn't bother too much, but yeah. That was my worst ex- worst experience. Please stop. Yeah, but no. <laughs> Aubrey bought prawn cocktail tater or manglim clickon prawn cocktail and discovered it had salt and vinegar in it. Imagine going into a restaurant now next week. Th- write that down. It's a good one, right? Write that down and go into for buy your your dinner somewhere next week. And ask for a monglim click-on or click-on or whatever they call as your starter. They'll be looking at you till Tuesday. 0818-96-96-96. Salt and vinegar instead of prawn cocktail. Anyone else have that happen? And actually, yeah, with the, with the onion allergy, I just mentioned this. Like, yeah, you might laugh about it. But supposing you'd bought 
salt and vinegar crisps, which would be my first go-to. You buy salt and vinegar crisps and you open them up and they're actually cheese and onion. Well, if you happen to be allergic to the onion side of that, an onion, even the slightest, tiniest little bit of onion essence can give both a severe immediate or a severe delayed reaction right up to and including anaphylactic shock. So it's not a joke. Not a joke at all. 0818 96 96 96. But those mistakes. Um, Customer service. We did the top 10 earlier on. Credit unions way out on top as the best customer service in the country. The most customer friendly brand as it were in the country is the credit union movement. There's three pharmacies in the top 10 and we asked you about local outlets that were big for customer service but Mohammed, you wanted to tell me pennies you think have great customer service. Good morning. Hello. Hello Mohammed. Hi. Pennies is where you think there's great customer service. Uh, well pennies yeah the you know the the sport rack in Blackpool. Yeah, sir. It's, yeah, it's, it's brilliant. Yeah, it's when you go shopping and you've got a good treat, like you know. Did you have to bring something back there or something? You did. I even if you don't, they'll helpful. Like you know, it's like uh, they do helpful and uh, it's, it's all good. Like you know, it's, it's Blackpool Shopping Centre is brilliant shopping centre in the just next to the city. You know. Yeah. And it's very very much uh, busy. And like I mean, everything you can get in Blackpool, and that sport track is brilliant. Is to be there, like you know. So yeah, yeah. I've been in the other one down in Mahan, but I've not been in the one in in Blackpool. They're very yeah. friendly in Blackpool, are they? They are. They are. Yeah. Of, of course, is is the the biggest shopping center is next to the city is Blackpool uh, shopping center with all the um, all the franchise, all kinds of franchise down there. And, and especially in the sport track, the the O'Neill's brand is brilliant. Yeah, okay. I like the O'Neill. Yeah. Okay, yeah. good man, good man. And you were saying pennies as well, were you? Yeah, yeah, sure, pennies as well. Yeah, just for the the just you know, it's small bit like you know, pennies clothes is just uh, it's lovely too. Yeah, it's cheap, cheap enough. Yeah. Yeah. But the quality is not the. What you get from the O'Neill's? Well, you get no. You you get what you you get what you pay for, and it lasts yeah. as long as it lasts, and 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 that's it. You go back and get some more. Um, yeah, that's that's Mohammed likes Sports Direct, and he likes Blackpool Shopping Centre very very much, and pennies too, and pennies too. But um, just outstanding customer service is what we're looking for. So, is there any cork company that has been really good to you when they kind of didn't have to be? Or anyone that's kind of gone above and beyond to to sort something out for you um, when you you know um, and it comes on the back of that list that's out today of the top ten customer service brands in the whole country and um, the credit unions way out on top. All care pharmacies are there. I don't think we've power, have we Power City in Cork. I don't think we have Smith's Toys. We have in Cork Specsavers. We have. Leia Healthcare is based here and of course Marks and Spencer's Food Court and Dunn Stores also feature as the ones with the best uh, customer service. The worst customer service 
According to this survey, I must get the full list. I only have the top ten in front of me. This is the CIX survey. They do it around this time every year. Um, Ticketmaster got a right kicking from them this year on the back of what happened with the with the Taylor Swift tickets, which I still don't quite figure out what was going on there, and the Coldplay tickets. All this kind of your queuing for a queue and the dynamic pricing nonsense that was going on with some of them too. So Ticketmaster getting a kicking and certainly having fallen way, way, way down the list. Way, way down the list. RTE for customer service. The checkout... Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love the way they call it this. And everyone seems to call it the posh duns in Bishopstown. I love... That's a great duns. That is. Out in Bishopstown. Uh, the, the checkout girls and boys in the posh duns in Bishopstown can be really friendly. That's a fabulous... Do you know where I ended up? I ended up out there, actually, on the 23rd of December last year uh, at about half seven in the evening to do the Christmas food shop because herself was unwell. She was very unwell. And she was clung to the bed. And she was saying, we'll have nothing in the house for the Christmas dinner. And I said, well, give me the list... I'll go and I'll get it. She goes, you will be, I'll have to send out search and rescue. I said, give me a go at it at least. So she did. She wrote out a list. And I went out to the, and she said, go out to the Duns now in Bishopstown. Go out to Duns. I went to the posh Duns in Bishopstown with my Christmas shopping list. I must have looked like a poor lost child inside. (laughs) I really must have done that. But I did it. I did it. I did it. That's a great start. Um, I bought Tato Occasions cheddar cheese and spring onions, says D. When I opened them, they were a packet of salt and vinegar. So it's not a once-off of the okay... Oh, you mean the posh crisps, the ones you buy for the Late Late Show or the ones you buy for some Netflix thing you're watching. By the way, can I recommend a thing called Dear Child? It's it's top notch. Um, I bought Tato Occasions cheddar cheese and spring onion. When I opened them... They were salt and vinegar, says D. Mm. Did it put you out? Would you eat them anyway? Like, <laughs> oh eight one eight ninety six, ninety six ninety six on PCOS. We're chatting with um, with Annie, and she was diagnosed at twenty two. She's now twenty five. She still can't find out whether she might be able to have a child or not. I have PCOS. I have two beautiful boys. I was put on metformin for insulin resistance. My first came a year later and the youngest came 13 months later. Yeah, that's why I asked Annie, was she on any kind of medication? Because they do, I know this from people around me, they do give people metformin, which is the diabetic drug, for insulin resistance when they have PCOS. I'm not entirely sure why, but they do. Uh, thank you, 0818969696. And on that news from the Vatican which I think we'll hear more about it. I'm, I'm interested to know what you think. The, the Pope has said that there may be a way to bless same-sex marriage. Can't call it matrimony, according to the Vatican. Well, the Vatican, the Church won't allow you to call it matrimony or marriage, but there, there may be able to find a way for the Church to bless a same-sex union, which is, which is progress, and Pope Francis is a man who thinks that way. He, he, 
he certainly seems to think outside the box, so he does. I married a divorced man and I couldn't get a blessing from the church or receive Holy Communion, says Lily. Wow. But that I didn't... God Almighty, that's, 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 that's last century stuff. So you married a man who had been divorced. You couldn't get your wedding blessed. Okay. I could, yeah. I don't agree with it, but I can see why. But they wouldn't give you Holy Communion either. That's mad. Clearing up some of your correspondence during the morning because lots of stuff on different issues. Um, on secondary school and whether they should be co-ed. We're talking to Tazzy on that earlier this morning. Now, on a wider question in relation to secondary school, it rolls into the housing discussion. Why are we not reforming secondary education to include real trades. We have to find ways of training the next generation of carpenters, sparks, brickies, plasterers, plumbers, toilers. That's a very good idea, actually. I do like that, that you should be able to do it. There was a time when you did woodwork and metal work. Uh, yeah, and I think secondary schools should train some people who have that kind of aptitude, train them for, for apprenticeships. Great idea. Uh, I'm 50. I went to secondary school in three different countries. I find this co-education discussion so weird. I wish you'd explained why that is. Um, Co-ed schools do give early education on acceptance and equality and sexual difference. Time to stop the segregation. That was what I was saying to Tazzy. But maybe if you put youngsters together, boys and girls, when they're 12 and 13 and 14... They learn more about each other in that situation. And maybe you'd have less than hormonally overflowing 17-year-olds coming out into a load of hormonally overflowing 17-year-old girls. And you know yourself, if they, if they grow up together and learn together, they'll have more respect for each other. Yeah. Um, Michael Guineys are very kind, says this caller with regard to customer service. Michelle Guinet, Michael Guinies. Um, I use a walking aid and they couldn't be more helpful in assisting me. Actually, I was walking past Michael Guinies the other morning on my way to work and they have a massive, I really didn't think about it for the, for the Queen Bee, although she'd slaughter me, um, Nutcracker. They've got a fantastic musical. Nutcracker. I know, I know, I know it's only October, but they've got a brilliant Christmas display already with Santa's and this fabulous musical Nutcracker. And I think I've told you before, my missus collects Nutcrackers. She has nearly 50 of the things at this stage. <laughs> but she really would love a four-foot musical one. 0818 96, 96, 96. On housing, we're chatting earlier with Anna and Rebecca about their particular experiences trying to get onto the housing ladder. Um, Sinn Féin TD Thomas Gould has issued a statement in which he says that Cork City Council built only 63 social houses last year. They sold 20 and demolished 28 more, which means the whole figure increased by only 15. And this he cites from a report from the National Oversight and Audit Committee. He says the council was supposed to build 515 homes last year. Why wasn't the target reached? He claims there was only 63 built. Now, I'm sure council would have an answer to that statement. But that's a statement out this morning from Cork North Central Sinn Féin TD Thomas Gould, who claims 
that the council were supposed to build 515 homes, but only built 63. 0818 96 96 96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Just on John Keaveney, and we'll replay that interview with podcast that interview with Cahill who's John's uncle uh, this morning and at one point I offered him an opportunity I just sat back and said look I'm going to turn the microphone off for a minute and if you just want to speak directly to John if he can hear you or maybe recognize your voice um, and you'll hear that uh, on podcast after the show any fear that missing man might be in hospital and they don't have a name for him I hadn't thought of that, actually. Thanks for that thought. Uh, that was a beautiful gesture to let Cahill talk directly, hopefully, to John. That's why I love 96 of Emma Real Party Cork. Thank you all, says Mick. Thank you, Mick, for that very kind thought of yours. 0818 96 96 96. Now, it's ridiculous o'clock in the morning in New York City. But, Kim, you're trying to find somebody. You're trying to find your own Cork roots, and you've gotten in touch with us. You posted on the Ovens notice board, I'm Kim from New York. My great-great-grandmother was Ellen Burke from Ovens. I'm trying to find relations. Kim, morning to you. Good morning. Hi, PJ. Hi. What time is it over there right now? Oh, it's, it's not bad. It's um almost it's 10 to 7 in the morning. Oh, that's okay. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, All that's right. fine. I got to okay. go to work. <laughs> so, so you've been able to trace... So, where did this interest start, anyway? Well, my dad, um, before he passed away, this was his his big thing was um, was this ancestry, and and we've been having a really hard time trying to find. My dad was the Irish side of my family, and um, his 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 um, grandfather was um, a man from his father was from Kilkenny, Thomas Whalen, who Ellen Burke married over here in. America. Okay. We could know, and we we kept trying to find the the whale inside the family, but couldn't find anything. But then I I started doing research on Ellen Burke, who I know her wife because she passed away in Philadelphia. Okay. And so I have all her information on her death certificate. Okay. And then when I found the baptism ovens on it, I found a town. Okay. Let's break it down. So your grandfather okay. on the Whelan side was born in Kilkenny. Yeah. My great great your great great grandfather, and then your dad was on was your Irish roots. And where was he from, Kim? My my grandfather. I'm actually fourth generation. Okay, Irish here. Okay. Um, so yeah, there are a bunch of Irish. They all were in Philadelphia. I see. I see. And um, yeah. and yeah, you've so managed to trace yourself back yes. to Ovens to Ellen Burke. From ovens. So, what do yes. you know about her? Yes. Well, what I know about her is that um, there was always this tale that she was brought to America by a um, Chicago um, railroad tycoon to be a governess. And um, but I'm not sure about that. And um, she met a man called um, Thomas Whalen, who was in Chicago, who came to. Um, I'm sorry, I'm nervous. It's okay. <laughs> who right. came from Ireland? He. He went to Chicago, but they somehow met in um, Philadelphia. He was a saloon keeper, and then she was a housewife. They had um, they had a son, Thomas. 
see. together. And um, and that's where I, I'm kind of lost after that. I got with you. With my Irish family. So, I'm trying so, to find some relatives. So Yeah, so Ellen Burke would have been your great-great-grandmother. Yes. Okay. And you have it a is, baptismal... Yes what we call baptismal lines or a baptismal certificate to say that she was baptized in 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 ovens. Yes. Okay. And what what date would that have been? What year would that have been? It was um she was born March seventeenth, eighteen fifty three. Oh St. Patrick's and her Day. Baptism was in Yeah, I know. <laughs> and then um she was baptized in December of that year, eighteen fifty three. Eighteen fifty three. And she would have come to America when? I think she came about 1870. I got you. In her late teens. I see. I see. And what what do you know of her parents? Her dad was James Burke. He's on her death certificate. And the mom I found um, was Catherine Keene. Okay. And they were both born about 1830. Okay, and do you know where they were actually from? That I, I'm, I'm trying to figure that out. Okay. I think they're both from Cork. Okay, do you have their birth certificates, death certificates, marriage certificate? Do you no, have... I can't find them. Like I've been trying to find. Yeah, because there's a ton of it online. <sighs> I've, I've been through it all. Yeah. Yeah, and you reached out then to the like ovens notice. Has anyone come back to you from the ovens notice board yet? Well, the parish has been working on it for me, and um, and that's what I have so far. And you guys, yeah, because baptismal records. When you have a baptismal record, that's great because they're very detailed. Because the church keeps keeps a lot of those. Um, mm-hmm. There's there's a reason why, because I don't know if it still happens, but when a woman went to be married in in the church, in the Catholic church, she had to receive what's called a letter of freedom. And they would oh. look, yeah, they would look to the baptismal records of where she was baptized. Now, one of the reasons for it, you may not know this, one of the reasons for it was to see that she wasn't related to the man she was about to marry. That was oh, one. Wow. Yes. So if they've got baptismal either certificates or lines, as they call them to, for your great-great-grandmother, the chances are there are baptismal certificates also for her parents, which would give you an idea as to where they came from and from where they were baptized. So it might be a good idea to start with the baptismal records and see, can you go, where did, how did you manage to get those? How did you get her baptismal records? I saw it on, I, I, I actual, um, I found it on Ancestry.com. Okay. And it's the actual, it says Ovens Parish. Okay. It's the actual, and I have her godparents too. There oh, was, do um, you? Yeah, I have a McCarthy, and um, I think the the godmother was a Catherine Byrne. Oh, you've got a lot there. You've got a lot yeah, there. Yeah, I... I yeah, you know, I was just in Ireland and I sh- for a holiday. I should have right. I should have come. To so you've got Ireland. her parents' names, correct? Yes. And you've got her godparents' names. Yes. Wow, that's a lot of information. There's an all, 
I know, but there's an awful lot of Ellen Burks. <laughs> there would be. And James yeah. Burks. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. But the chances of, and this is the thing, I've, I've done a little bit of this in my time, Kim. Uh-huh. Um, it, it, like, the chances of have someone with the same four names. Mm-hmm. You, right. Yes, you might find another James Burke and another Mary Burke, but the chances of them having the same godparents on the baptismal search, that ain't that ain't very big. You track mm-hmm. her down that way. And then I was looking at if the godfather was a McCarthy. Right. There was one on. I then I found another McCarthy name attached to one of these names, and I'm thinking, and it looked like he could have been the uncle of one yeah. of the parents. Yeah. Well, when you go back to... Well, there were so many, was so many that, McCarthy's in Cork. There's McCarthy's married to, married to each other as well. That's the thing, you see. That could mm. also happen. But no, so we've got Ellen Burke from Ovens. Um, birthday was St. Patrick's Day. That's, an, mm-hmm. that's significant. Again, there's yeah. a thing, you see. There, could, yeah, there are probably loads of Ellen Burks, but how many of them were born on St. Patrick's Day? Yeah, because that was on a death certificate here. I got you. Okay. She died died in the States. When did she die? Yeah, Philip. She died in 1923, Philadelphia. Okay. Look, we'll throw all this out there, and people will podcast this interview with you as well. And if it rings any bells in Ballincollig or Ovens or any ge- that, that general direction, that's a very, very big area, stretches right down mm-hmm. into the country, then you'd never know what would happen. Kim, it's great to talk to you. Stay in touch. I'll put you back onto Emer there. And there's a big, big patchwork of names out there, Keens and McCarthy's and Burks and all of that. Thank you, Kim. It's great. We'll talk again. 0818969696. Sinead O'Connor, of course, was our menopause voice today. Our winner in association with the Menopause Summit is Valerie O'Mahony of Ballancolic. Little prize for you, Valerie. We'll do it again tomorrow. Lorraine and Ross are back in the morning. Three, th- two rounds of the two grand minute tickets to see picture this and passes for Funderland. And <laughs> yeah. They were talking this morning about people not knowing how to make beans on toast. How could you not know? How could you not know how to make beans on toast? Like, come on. How could you not know how to make beans on toast? <laughs> anyway, 0818969696. All right, that's it. We are done. Program edited by Imra Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. Put all your podcasts up ASAP. We'll talk to you tomorrow just after nine. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. Win a pair of Apple AirPods with Quartz 96 FM. Just take our 10-minute music survey and you're in the draw. Tell us the tunes you'd listen to on repeat and what songs we should delete. Win your very own Apple AirPods. Give it a go right now. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Or c96fm.ie Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.